0: me a go no go for launch just when you think you're out they pull you back in i was gonna say something that was not true
1: i i don't know why we do these let's make film history
0: we are go for launch
1: welcome back everybody
2: to the almost sideways podcast this is episode nine one 190, 190. uh we're recording this on Sunday, September eleventh, twenty twenty-two, at three p.m. Pacific time. I am your host, Terry Plucknett. We've got Todd. We've got Zach. Todd, I-, I texted you for about an hour about this earlier today, but Scott Frost—he's gone.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're a avid listener to our podcast, I think it was about episode three. I ended the podcast with saying the Scott Frost era has begun and, and it is now over. <laughs> And then you were like, yeah. yeah, Did you like go back and find that? No, I didn't go back and find that. I just remember doing that. That's Um, hilarious. Yeah. I mean, you lose to Georgia Southern. I was just thinking about this like a couple minutes ago. Like, I think the Georgia Southern loss uh, for Florida actually ended the Will Mustard Champ era as well. So, wow. Yeah. But it was not a Clay Helton led Georgia Southern team, it was a freshly FBS. Uh, Georgia Southern team.
2: Yeah, but at that point, losing to Georgia Southern would be like losing to North Dakota State. There's no...
0: There's no harm than
1: that. Yep. I think the real lesson we learned yesterday, and Todd can maybe elaborate, is to never bet on college football. Um, oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a bad day betting. We took a bath yesterday, man. It, it was brutal. Texas A&M, screw you. Notre Dame, screw you. LVPs of the podcast right here. Wisconsin, awful. I mean, yes, Nebraska gave up 700 yards to
0: uh, a Sun Belt team, but <laughs> what I want to say is that Texas A&M scored 14 points against a team that gave up 62 points the week before, and uh, and they lost to a Sun Belt team. So I mean, I don't think that we are at the bottom, the absolute bottom. But Jimbo does have; he's making like 15 million
1: dollars a year, so he's not getting fired. Yeah, that was that was the sweet part was seeing Jimbo lose. I like that. I was really down in the dumps yesterday until a little team that's in first place in the Big 12 beat West Virginia in overtime by 13 points. I don't think I've ever seen that happen before. It was on a Kobe (laughs) Bryant interception for a touchdown. You can't make this shit up. First place, baby. And we should be in the the top 25. That's all I'm saying. Rock chalk.
0: Yeah, I, the Oklahoma, I had the Oklahoma under in the first half, or the, the game, it was like under 40 in the first half. They were losing three to nothing to Kent <laughs> State with like 14 seconds left in the first half, and they scored a touchdown, but yeah, that, either that way, is, it went way under, but it was like still like they couldn't score against that team, like Dub like destroyed them last week. That over under was 72 and a half, which we didn't <laughs> bet on. Because I, I bet the first half, I mean, 40, well, I yeah. mean, come on, even if Oklahoma opened it up, they weren't scoring 40.
2: See, and this is this is I think why I can't bet on college sports in in Oregon because I would I'd be stuck in the same spot you guys are. Now the real question is, Todd, has Iowa scored a touchdown yet? H- have they scored a touchdown?
0: Well, they lost ten to seven. Oh, so, okay. I don't know if that, that could it, be. It, 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 they could have gotten seven the hard way again.
1: Know. That's what they did last week. Two safeties, I think. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> putting like a minus 130 that they Two safeties for like, like a, field that that safeties safeties
0: a field touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> or it might have been uh, a defensive touchdown. That's what I'm going with. Oh, there we go. I put like minus 220. It was a defensive touchdown. So, once, uh, the,
1: once the Ducks scored f- exactly four points in a game. In the 80s. I that shit, And I think Iowa did too, actually. I think the only times an FBS team has scored four points exactly was Iowa and Oregon.
2: Were they playing each other? Was it a 4-4 no, tie?
1: No, it was not a 4-4. Four, four. Actually, it should have been like 6-4 in overtime. That would have been the, the best score. But no, they were, win, set, they were different you know, right, Yeah, With the old rules, if you, was, if you win by two like, like that. I'd be impressive to win on a safety in overtime in college football. <laughs> I would have to involve some bad weather or something. I'm really incompetent that would have to be a scott frost team actually that would probably do that so
0: well i mean it would be like when Rutgers had to punt last week on a on a goal to go fourth down because they had it was like a bad <laughs> snap and then a couple penalties and they were at like their own 40 yard line and they that's <laughs> awesome or that one old clip that. what's
2: the old clip uh was it louisiana tech that had a a third and 92 or something
0: yeah see that i one? remember that one
2: or the fun they, they were like in the red zone, and there was a fumble, and it just kept getting kicked all until almost when the other goal goal line. So, if you're avid listeners of the podcast, you know that for the next like three or four months, we're going to start with about five minutes of uh, a football talk every podcast. Just beware, it's going to happen.
1: And uh, well, uh, I we might lose interest at some point when we've lost all of our money and all of our interest (laughs) when nebraska is one and four and uh ku loses by 60 to oklahoma
0: yeah yeah i cannot believe the cougars won in camp randall
1: yeah what the hell was that
0: like that was the one lock of all locks that was not happening i bet that money line it was like minus a thousand. I was like, "There's zero chance the Cougars, without Mike Leach, go into Camp Randall and have a chance." And they won. And they look, they look
1: bad there. in the game too. They had like three turnovers. There, that was a funky game. It was like interception that was fumbled. I think it happened twice in that game. It was, it was, it was a nightmare.
2: All right. Well, let's let's just move like on from the opening this. Of this
1: podcast. Was you can yeah. just yeah skip skip this part, everybody.
2: It just just skip this part and all the all all the talk about todd and zach losing all their money and
1: get to this We're here part of the movies we, we like the movies the movies you lose money only little bits at a time not in large <laughs> chunks like trey lance today oh uh, really awesome. yeah that ruined my teaser god damn yep the i other thought he was Kaepernick
2: it... 2.0 what happened to that a monsoon that's what happened to that
1: well the other reason people come here zach what are you drinking? I'm drinking some The Last of the Hard Cider, which my wife has threatened to throw out unless I finish. So, cheers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if that's, like, motivation. Bringing <laughs> endorsement.
2: <laughs> nice. Todd?
0: I have a red blend. It is the Kaleidoscope Red Blend from California. It's actually pretty good. It's a little sweeter than most, uh, than most just, like, random bottles I pick up. But uh, it's very dark. And uh, it's good. Ooh, that is dark.
2: It's a nice wine glass, too. It's good.
0: Thank you. All
2: right. So th- this is kind of ironic because uh, I didn't go to the brewery today, but I did go to Costco. And Costco has a very robust beer selection. And so I got I got a few things there. And I decided, you know, this is the one I need to drink. Um, I need to drink today. Uh, because uh, if you two remember... Uh, when we did our Vegas trip a few years ago, one of the uh, drinks of choice was uh, Rogue Dead Guy Ale. And uh, I found on the on the rack at Costco, this is the Rogue Dead and Dead Ale. So they took the Dead Guy and they aged it in uh, their Dead Guy whiskey barrels. Um, or no, aged on Oak Dead Guy whiskey barrel chips so it's like they took dead guy and aged it inside of a dead guy and now i've got a dead and dead and uh it's it's really rich let's see here what do we got here we got one of the plots of the
1: saw movies or something they were brewing some beer in a dead body or something i was
2: gonna say it's a beer version of a turducken um just just keep stuffing inside and uh one of the best moments of our entire Vegas trip, I still say, is when we were trying to decide what uh, what the next beverage was going to be. And one of us said, well, we got a couple dead guys up in the room and uh, never it, got old. It never got old. That, it that never did. One. All right. Well, make sure you're subscribing, rating, reviewing. I, this is amazing listening so far. So I don't know why you wouldn't already be you know, subscribing just because of what you've heard so far. But let's get into the movies. And we are going to start today with God.
0: Okay, um, so I don't know, this is like a glimpse into the way my brain works. So so I watched uh, an old movie, I found out that there was a, a remake of it, so I watched both of them. So I'm going to just report on both of them, I guess. Uh, one was directed in 1979 by Martin Brest, and one was uh, remade in 2017 by Zach Braff. Uh, do you guys know what movies this is? No, it is uh, Going in Style. Uh, so mm. the 1979 version wow. is, um, uh, it stars George Burns, Art Carney, and Lee Strasberg, and they play Joe, Al, and Willie, and they're like three older gentlemen who get bored, and they're broke, and so Joe sees an opportunity to make some money and kind of have some fun, so he, they decide they're going to rob a bank, and... Um, I really like these, like kind of seventies movies. It kind of is like the in-laws or something like that. It's just it's really plain, but it feels like a seventies movie. Lee Strasberg is awesome. Uh, George Burns is really against what you would expect him to be. I can see how it was remade because it's uh, it's in that like sort of comedy old guy fish out of water thing that like Stand Up Guys was or the Bucket List or Grudge Match. Um, that that trend has been really big in the last fifteen years. But this movie gets kind of dark. It, it's it is kind of angry at the idea of getting old and uh and and like uh the monotony of daily life and and uh trying to break that trend even if it kills you sort of and uh, it hints at that also that like as an old person you can pretty much get away with anything which you kind of can uh it's cute and fun it's bittersweet and i i think it is it's moving about like three bumbling idiots, and i kind of love it. it i had three stars which actually puts a number 10 of 1979 and uh my the the remake directed by zach braff stars michael kane Morgan Freeman and Alan Arkin in those roles. Um, and uh, this in this one, they are like uh, find out that their pension is going to be taken by a bank, so they decide they're going to rob the bank to take it back. Like, the exact dollar amount is what they were planning. Um, it's more slight. It isn't just, like, a random thing to, you know, not be bored. It, it, they actually have a, a vendetta, which uh, kind of makes it a little less interesting. The beauty of the original also was, like, these three guys are really funny together, but this one, like, takes them to, like, their homes and stuff, and it's, like, a sort of, like brings melodrama in it instead of just being like this quirky edgy kind of messed up dark comedy and then but i mean that's zach braff and it it also sort of plays out like a oceans like Jerry geriatric version or something instead of like a true crime comedy it's written by an oscar nominee uh theodore Melfi, who uh wrote and directed and produced hidden figures uh, and you can kind of see how safe the movie plays by um uh, but if you think about that movie and margaret's in this randomly and she's really really good keenan thompson's also in this it's a it's a Matt Dillon movie as well, so I guess um, if I'm updating it, it's number 26 uh, between The Outsiders and Takers. Um, it's hardly a remake. It basically just takes the original premise and does everything worse. It, it, like These are really good series actors, but this movie is just lame, and the remake, I'm giving one and a half stars.
2: I, I've i heard of going in style, the remake. I had no idea it was a Zach Braff
0: movie. And you had no idea that there was a an original version, probably,
2: <laughs> yeah. And, and I think your Matt Dillon list should be called The
0: Dillonator. The Dillonator, okay. Number 26 of the Dillonator between the Outsiders and Tankers. Officially, so.
2: there we go. Yeah, oh, the original okay. is
0: awesome, though. Like, it was playing on some one of those random uh uh channels that plays like old movies with commercials, but I mean, there's nothing to edit out or anything. Yeah, yeah. If you see that on there, it's totally worth it. those guys, those like
1: Oscar nominee 1970s actors, like they're they're great. So it sounds like we need to anticipate the 2047 remake of this movie. So are we talking like Zach Efron, maybe Ryan Gosling, maybe Shia LaBeouf after he's been uncancelled? Like, I, I think this is like classic, you know, I mean, cash maybe. grab in the in 30 years. I mean, like... It would be more like
0: it'd be more like Jesse Plemons would have to be one of them. Cause one of them is like a very serious actor that, that really doesn't belong in the movie. And uh, I mean, Zach Efron's a good one. I don't know. I, I mean, have we ever done a future recasting before?
1: <laughs> <I don't laughs> that think needs so. to happen.
2: That would be fun. All right. So that's what Todd watched. I'm going to go next first. I forgot to, I forgot to mention, I do have a movie in the background today. I don't know if you guys can see it randomly off the movie shelf i just picked a random number on my list and it's captain america the first avenger Mm. so there you go uh yeah i'm gonna report on two different movies uh so i'll go quick first my oscar watch i gotta i gotta keep that up so we're going back 10 years to a sole best supporting actress nominee in 2012 uh the sessions the sessions Mm. your what's your favorite helen hunt movie Uh, yes the sessions uh written and directed by ben lewin and this stars john hawks helen hunt and william h macy uh john it's based on a true story about a man named mark o'brien uh who's played in this movie by john hawks he had polio when he was a child and is paralyzed from the neck down and he is he just lays in a gurney bed all day and he decides to uh start to explore what um, what sex would be like for someone in his state. And so he hires Helen Hunt, who is a sex surrogate, who uh, basically just helps people explore their sexuality. And uh, she has several sessions with him as uh, they kind of work through this exploration together. William H. Macy plays his priest. Uh, and this is like this is like the perfect William H. Macy role. Like he was my favorite part of the movie. He's awesome in this, in this spot. Um, John Hawks is amazing as well. He does an amazing job as, as Mark, the Oscar nominee in this was Helen Hunt, who I think is kind of bad in this. I mean, she's, she's supposed to have a Boston accent that comes in and out, depending on what she's like. She talks like normal Helen Hunt until she says the name mock. And and she's like I- I'm 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 your sex surrogate here and I'm going to be doing this is that okay with you Mark? And, I mean that that's that's how it feels whenever she opens her mouth she it's like if she has to say Mark in a sentence she lays it on thick and if she doesn't then she just sounds like Helen Hunt I don't know how she got an Oscar nom other than it was the comeback role and it was her first opportunity to get one since she won for as good as it gets. Uh, saying all that I actually really like this movie it's charming. It's it's funny, it's smart, it's not at all what you would think it would be. Um, yeah, I'm giving it three stars. It, it's a solid movie, and it, it's worth the watch for sure. Uh, and it's it's a lot of fun. So that's that one. Uh, then I did my double feature this weekend. I wanted to report on a brand new movie that I watched, which apparently nobody else did because it made eight hundred thousand dollars at the box office this weekend and finished like in fourteenth, and that's medieval uh it is written and directed by peter yakel jackel i don't know exactly how you say his name but apparently he was in triple x and now he's making movies and this stars ben foster and sophie lowe michael cain till schweiger uh matthew good for some reason uh is in everything it uh Tells the uh, based on true story of a man named Jan Zizka, who is thought to be one of the greatest um, soldiers and warriors and military tacticians and leaders of all time. Uh, he's a he's Czech and he is helping fight for the reun- reunification of the Holy Roman Empire in the 15th century. Um, this movie's a bit of a mess. Uh, it's always weird when they decide to do a period piece, but they let everyone talk in their own accent. So you have scenes where you've got American accent Ben Foster talking with Michael Cate, and it just doesn't work. It, uh, this is by far the most uh, disinterested I've ever seen Ben Foster in a role. Usually he is brilliant in everything. I really love the the Survivor we did earlier this year, where he plays the... the um, the Holocaust prisoner this, he's just kind of bored. And, uh, I, I don't, I don't know why. Uh, I couldn't really follow the plot that well. These medieval type of movies aren't necessarily my thing, but if they're good, I really get into them. Uh, this one wasn't, um, the sound design was really weird. Like it was the, like the swords clanking was really shrill and, uh, and just distracting. Um, yeah the score was decent but that was about it one and a half stars for medieval uh maybe there's a reason nobody went and saw it because it's just not that good of a movie
0: it's directed by a guy who had a bit part in triple x yeah that's um i don't know i mean i
1: never even heard of this movie but it's got ben foster so I'd, ben I'd foster's seen been it. on tear this year yeah Was he better in this or as the NBA exec in uh, uh, the Adam Sandler movie? Oh, (laughs) gosh. I forgot
2: about that. Yeah, he was in that, too. Um, Hustle.
1: Hustle. There we go.
2: That should have been on our list of of bad movie titles. Yeah. Man, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's... I'd seen a trailer for it a couple weeks ago when I went to the movies, and so I knew it was on my radar, and then I was like, oh, it's out. I'm going to go see this one. And also, because there was nothing else out this week, so there we go.
1: Zach, what would you watch? All right, I did. Uh, I'm going to do my my own impression of uh, Terry. Mine is not an Oscar rewatch, but it is a Independent Spirit Award rewatch. Technically, I thought IMDb says it's a 2002 movie, but it's actually at the 2004 Indie Awards for the 2003 movies. It went up against In America shattered glass american splendor and the winner which was lost in translation do you guys have any idea what i'm talking about maybe todd might says todd's seen this movie primer no that's a good guess though i have no idea the correct answer is raising victor vargas okay uh directed by peter sollett uh and this is a movie that um is set in the lower east side of manhattan and stars Victor Rasuk as the title character, Victor Vargas, and he lives with his abuela and his younger sister and brother. And the movie is sort of a slice of life. It takes place over the course of a few days, over the course of a summer, hot summer. And Victor, as he as we start the movie, is definitely a stickman. He he aspires to be a Burgess level stickman, and he's got the skill. But young brother, you need to learn from the best, okay? Uh, so, uh, he's a ladies man, but the apple of his eyes is a young vixen named Judy, who he meets at the swimming pool. And Judy is a little bit, um, le- it's not so much that she's disinterested in him, but she's a little less certain about sex. It's pretty clear that she's a virgin, um, in the movie. And the movie does feel a little bit at times like kids, um, except it, I guess it's a little less raw and it has a little more sincerity to it. We also meet Victor's friend, uh, Harold, and uh, Judy's younger brother, who ha- also has an interest, in Victor's younger sister. Um, the movie kind of looks at how um, Victor has to learn to tighten his game by being less of a macho asshole. And also how the grandmother who's raising these three kids has to come to grips with the fact that they're growing up and have um, romantic and sexual interests, which may mean that someday they'll leave her. Um, there's a really nice comic sequence where she actually takes Victor and tries to put him like in a correctional facility because he's corrupted uh, her. Uh, the, the, the younger uh, brother who's caught masturbating in the bathroom. I love this movie. This is my kind of jam. Okay, this is like uh, Andrew Murray kind of speed for me. It is slice of life. It feels like Chop Shop a little bit. There's some Ramen Barani in it. These actors are non professional, and it, there is just so much authenticity in the movie. It, there's nothing feels scripted, and that's such a good thing. Um, there are scenes in this movie that are sweet. Uh, that really look at um, the idea of what what is love? Can love be explored as something that's uh, non-sexual, platonic, or do you have to, if you're a stick man like Victor, be able to put it in to have any sort of credibility? Um, and then the, the relationship between Victor and his siblings and the grandmother. I mean, it's, it's just, it's wonderful. This, this grandmother who looks a little bit like Martin Scorsese's mother um, is just so helpless and and so out of, um, you know, she's, she's not able to control these kids at all, but it's a warm and, and loving fr- uh, relationship. And then Victor's relationship with Judy is just, is really special and sweet. It has a little bit of a ring of like um, George Washington, that David Gordon Green movie a little bit in that indie sort of style. Uh, this movie blew me away. It's on Canopy. It's 90 minutes long. I'd want to see it for a while, um, and I have not stopped thinking about it all week. It is now number nine in my 2002 movie list. It is a four-star movie, and we know 2002 is a solid banger of a year. I absolutely loved this movie, and it is it is really special, a reminder of how great um, indie cinema uh, once was and maybe still can be again, but uh, I loved it. Absolute, absolute must-see if you get a chance on Canopy at some point
0: nice yeah i like that movie too Uh peter sellette i remember i watched his movie metal lords earlier this year that was that i mean but um uh, brazen victor vargas is definitely his best movie like i mean that it's definitely pure early 2000s indie cinema and um uh, yeah great performances I, I i really like that movie too
1: yeah i mean when when these indie movies do it really well like this movie and chop shop which i thought of a lot watching this movie although it's not as dark at all as chop shop It just, it's like, how hard could it be to make a movie? You know, it's like what Tarantino says about Melville you know, if you truly love cinema, if you give your heart and soul and passion to cinema, then it's impossible to make a bad movie. And it's clear that this guy had a great concept. He had great non professional actors who are just so authentic and genuine in their roles. I don't know how much of the Victor Vargas persona is that actor, but he's amazing in it. And uh, I had a smile the whole time watching this movie. Terry, you got to check it out at some point. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful movie that um, definitely deserved to be in that Indie uh, Spirit Award list back in the day. Better than all those movies, though, I would say.
2: All right. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out for sure. Let's move on. All right. We have two movies we're going to be uh, reviewing here. Uh, we'll start with the new one, then go to the old one. Old Older. It's not really that old. But uh, we'll start with our featured review.
1: I love this movie so much.
2: I did not really like this film at all.
1: This is the most Zach movie ever made. You got to see it.
2: Movie reviews, which is just out this week. It won the box office with a whopping $10 million, uh, which was like $8 million over everything else that can't that was out this week. It
1: beat but Medieval. That was the important thing. Bit, <laughs> medieval was a big challenge. But yeah, it,
2: I know. I know. For real. Yeah. So we're we're talking about barbarian. Oh
1: you've gotta be kidding me. Yeah. This is 476 Barbary, right? Yeah, I'm renting this place. No, I booked it a month ago. Are you sure you have the right place? Yeah. Who am we supposed to do? Why
2: don't you come inside and we'll call these idiots? Why don't you just crash
1: here? Oh, no. I don't know if you got a great look at this neighborhood, but I don't think you should be out there by yourself.
2: It's dry, and there's a lock on the door. By the way, I'm Keith. Tess.
1: You take the bedroom, and I'll sleep out here on the couch.
0: perfectly
2: natural Uh, I'm going to start talking about this Zach and I saw it Todd did not uh, so he'll listen in and we'll try not to spoil too much but Zach and I were saying this is really a hard movie to talk about without spoiling anything Uh, but we'll we'll see how we can do so Barbarian was written and directed by Zach Kreger who has done some stuff I was just looking at his filmography he's but he's mainly been comedy driven, but this is definitely a, a dip into the horror realm. Uh, Barbarian centers on Tess and Keith. Uh, Tess is played by Georgina Campbell and Keith is played by Bill Skarsgård. And, uh, and Tess shows up to an Airbnb in Detroit and only to find out that Keith has is already there. And through another uh, another company had rented the place at the same time, and it's been double booked. And so do you, if you're in Tessa's shoes, do you try and find a different place to stay? Do you stay there with this strange guy you've never met before? There are no, uh, no hotel rooms available in town. So she decides, let's just stay there. And then strange things start happening throughout the night and the next day uh, that lead to a series of, craziness as they really go down the rabbit hole kind of literally and metaphorically into all sorts of chaos. Eventually Justin Long uh, shows up as well in a really random role that I, I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw Justin Long in something, but he's out out. Yeah. Shout out to Justin Long. And he's kind of perfect for this role too. He, he, he gives an an amazing performance. Um, I'm not much of a horror person. But I loved this movie. This is one of those movies, I mean, it has you on the edge of your seat the entire time. It has you just that little bit unsettled. It has those moments that just make your skin crawl, uh, that just freak you out. But at the same time, it's kind of lighthearted in a way, too. Like, this is a movie where, like, if if you talk like Blair Witch Project or Paranormal Activity, they they make your skin crawl and they leave you, like, having nightmares after this. You you watch this one and it it's it gives you a similar effect for a little while, but when it ends, you just go, oh, that was awesome. And that's kind of what my 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 vibe was when I when I finished this movie. It it just kind of leaves you like that was so much fun. And I I'm not used to horror movies that do this. It has a really cool way of going about the story. It has kind of a uh a, a plot, I would not say twist, but it kind of designs its plot in a similar way to like i, I compare compared a lot to psycho and just how it constructs it and zach i think probably will know what i'm talking about where everything just kind of does a complete 180 flip halfway through in a similar way to what psycho does um which i thought was really cool and a neat homage uh yeah three and a half stars for barbarian i was just completely blown away and had so much fun in this movie um i saw it at the last showing friday night which is the perfect time to see a movie like this because that's when all the weirdos come out to come watch the new horror movie and have a lot of fun uh getting wasted and watching watching jump scares and all that stuff so it it really enhanced the experience so yeah three and a half stars for me zach i texted you like yesterday i was like are you gonna see it and you said no i'm probably not going to and i'm like dude you need to And then you said it better be worth missing football for. So tell me, was it worth missing football for?
1: Well, listen, I mean, I had to deal with the horror of this movie or the horror of Trey Lance shitting himself. So I I don't know which one's quite more frightening. But uh, I will say um, this was an interesting experience. I, I really hadn't heard about this movie, I think, until thursday maybe and i texted you guys was like i guess this is getting sort of a wide release it's getting decent reviews it has a 92 on rotten tomatoes a lot of critics seem to like it um i knew nothing about the movie going in i didn't read a plot synopsis i didn't i didn't see a trailer absolutely nothing I th- and i think that's the best way to do it and again we'll kind of tread maybe we'll maybe we'll cast todd away and talk about some of the spoilers at some point but um yeah I, I i kind of agree with you terry uh the first i would say the first hour of this movie is really solid um, and it's solid because you don't quite know what it's doing, which is a really fun feeling to have with a horror movie. Uh, it's also a movie that definitely has some scares, but there's also some really prolonged, slow builds, which I really appreciate in horror filmmakers. Um, this is a guy who I think that the director is someone who knows movies, knows, movie, knows horror movie conventions really well, and also knows the trappings that the viewer is going to have. For example, I mean, again, without spoiling it, you think a certain thing about one of the characters in this movie, um, but it turns out to be completely wrong. At least I did. I don't know if, if mm-hmm. maybe yep. you know what I'm talking about, Terry. But uh, I really like that. I appreciated that. The movie zags in a lot of pretty crazy directions. Um, Psycho was not the movie I was thinking of. The movie I was thinking of was Cabin in the Woods. Um, and I will say that the, the reveal in this movie it is it's not that they're in a a simulacrum where uh, that's being watched by richard jenkins that's not the spoil in this movie although i maybe just spoiled that movie for you terry sorry it's 10 years old statute (laughs) of limitations has passed i actually like this movie more than cabin in the woods um but in this in the way that cabin in the woods was kind of self-aware of again playing with genre playing with conventions this movie is i think pretty super self-aware um The problem I have with it is the last half hour, which I think is not anywhere close to the quality of the first half hour. It's kind of interesting that you bring up the crowd that you watched it with, Terry. I I was watching it with with an interested crowd as well. Um, But I got to say, they were kind of laughing at the end of it. And I don't think it was a laugh like, ha-ha, that's awesome. It was, ha-ha, this is not great. And I can't get that out of my head. I think you look at kind of the last scenes of that movie, kind of its culmination – and again, some of the clumsy jump scares at the end, literally a character says something along the lines of, oh, this this has never happened before. And then the, the next moment <laughs> something happens. And it's like that's kind of lazy writing. Um, and I also got to say with the Justin Long character shout out front of the podcast, I'm sure um, <laughs> it's so obvious what his character is meant to do in the movie like what his purpose serves you know it in the first five minutes of seeing it so it's not really a surprise what happens to him or, or what function he serves in this kind of movie um so so again it's, it's a contradiction for a movie that relies so much on zagging and going in unexpected directions that you have this character who is fundamentally pretty pretty one-dimensional um, in in what he's meant to do so i arrive at two and a half stars it's a, it's a very sympathetic two and a half stars because I think the movie is trying to do something interesting. And based on the first, really the first 30 minutes alone, I absolutely saw it. I was hooked. And actually, I think there's another path that this movie goes as a romantic comedy that actually could be really funny and interesting. Um, <laughs> it doesn't go that way, but I'm intrigued nonetheless. Bill Sarsgaard is a comic performer. I think very underrated. Um I don't know I'm so I I just I can't get the image out of my head of people laughing at the last la, really the last 15 minutes and I, I kind of agree it's, it's bad because
2: there's some it, comedy in the last 15-20 minutes so. oh but
1: it's not good comedy it's not like Sam Raimi evil dead comedy it's it's like this is lame and pretty stupid comedy and the explanation for the whole backstory and again I'll tread lightly is pretty lame, okay? It's almost as if the director said, we have to throw in something, so we're going to throw in this kind of arbitrary subplot to kind of explain things, but we don't really care about it that much. It's pretty lame. Now, granted, it's probably better than a lot of horror movies I don't try to explain anything, but it needed a little bit more time and investment the same way that the opening 30 minutes of this movie had clear time and investment.
2: I don't know. I felt like by the time it got to the the end, those last 15, 20, 30 minutes, how However you want to splice it up, I was so invested that I could, I I could forgive a few, you know, maybe lame moments because, the the beginning got me got me going so good, um. Yeah, I I I I, I it ended and I thought this was this was so much fun, which fun. I thought was I I liked that kind of more upbeat ending, than the um you know make-you-crap-your-pants type of ending that you see in other, in other horror movies.
1: It's, it is it is fun. In a way, it reminded me of Men as well, the Jesse Buckley movie from this year, in the sense that, again, people people watching the last 30 minutes of that movie also probably unintentionally laughed at it. And I gave that movie thumbs up. So I'm really in a bind here. God damn it, Todd. I wish you had seen it. I, I, I feel like if you two had really liked it, you probably could convince me to go to three stars I think the world might be a better place with it in it like you know Hannibal says of Clarice than it not be in it but I just can't get past I can't get past the last 30 minutes I also can't get past the fact that I really can't imagine this movie being anywhere as fun to watch on a second time it's really a one time movie you you can't watch this movie again and have the same mm. sort of fulfilling experience I don't know about that I, I think it depends on who you watch it with it, you, you, if you watch it with someone who's never seen it before that that would be fulfilling, but I'm I'm not gonna watch this movie again. I I know all the mm-hmm. secrets of it. It's fun. It's like Cabin in the Woods. It's like okay, it's kind of been spoiled. It's cool in the moment, but it's not. It doesn't have a great shelf life. That being said, I really did like the actress in it, um, Georgina Campbell. I thought she was pretty awesome. And mm-hmm. again, she Bill Sarsgaard. I mean. Just take the first 30 minutes of the movie. It's, it's awesome. I also really like the set design in this movie, too. I thought they actually did a really good job of building suspense with the locations. And seemingly, it, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of versatility with that location. But uh, they do a lot with with relatively little. So I, I give my props to the filmmaker. It just needed, it needed padding on the second half. Potential top 10 of the year for Adam it's possible i don't know if it goes a f- if it goes full adam it's like three quarters adam i mean adam did say
2: i don't know if it still is but black phone was like number one of the year
1: this is better than black phone i would agree with that and actually there are some similarities to black phone with this movie i think it's better than than black phone i don't know i saw it two hours ago i need to think about it a little bit more uh i don't know i i it It might grow on me. I kind of doubt it. But there are a lot of good things to like about it. And and in a weird way, even in spite of my trepidations, I probably would say that people should see it, particularly people who like horror movies and, uh, you know, over the top horror movies. So what you're saying
2: is it wasn't a waste of your time, but you're not going to but you're not going to give it a recommendation.
1: I can't get the image out of my head of people (laughs) laughing at it at the end because of how bad it was and not a good not no not not a good laugh
2: all right all right well todd's gonna have to see it right now i've got it at three and a half
1: i still have to see that john boyega movie to break your tie so oh yeah i should see this one to give you know break the tie and you know then terry you should see i'm on melissa we should just do that for a whole episode
2: that sounds like fun
1: break the tie that's the name of our episode although i a... i do like this movie a lot I, i'm very sympathetic and i i don't really disagree with a lot of what you say terry
2: Three and a half for me, two and a half for Zach. Todd will break the tie. Give it three stars at some point, I'm sure. Um,
1: yep, I don't think that's, I don't I don't think he'll like the Justin Long character. I don't know. I don't know.
2: I, I think he might be like, "Hey, Justin Long," just like I was, just actually seeing him on screen again. It's been a it's been a minute. I it know. has. All right, it's, it's in theaters now. It's playing everywhere, so uh, it's pretty easy to check out. All right, that was that. Let's move on. We've got a come to the stable, kinda like this is the most most recent come to the stable we've ever done.
1: Uh, but we're going with that's it. Bad sign. If it's a it was, recent come to the stable, meaning that people didn't watch it, that's probably not, not glowing uh, praise. But
2: yeah, I don't know how this. What? What? Where did this move? Oh, it's a uh, produced by Amazon production company amazon prime video but it's playing on netflix i don't know anyways so we are uh, we are reviewing it because a few weeks ago we did a deep dive of donnie brasco and in doing that we looked a little closer at the uh, filmography of its director mike newell and uh, this is a filmography that has things like four weddings and a funeral it has harry potter and the goblet of fire and then we noticed one of the more recent entries on his filmography was this little movie called The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. We're like, well, that sounds interesting. We have to check that out for sure. And so we did, and we watched it this week.
1: Miss Ashton? Yes. Yeah. Have you always wanted to be a writer?
2: It's a perfect job, sitting indoors and always near a teapot. <laughs> <laughs> Dear
1: Miss Ashton my name is dorsey adams
2: i am part of a book club the guernsey literary and potato peel pie society
1: you've that for oh, right
2: it brought us together during the occupation
0: juliet you can go to a book club meeting on the island of guernsey what
2: reading did for these people finally i'll have something serious to write
0: can't imagine mark would let you get very far seamless channel not the china seas <laughs> <laughs>
1: Mr Adams I so hope that you might allow me to come and meet your society.
2: So happy to make your acquaintance.
1: Dorsey. Um hello. Hello.
2: You painted such a vivid story
1: in your letters. It's so compelling.
2: You are not what I expected. <laughs>
1: How did you imagine me, Mr. Adams? Juliet! Ah. Oh. My life's in London. There's nothing to keep you here.
0: We're still right to each other, weren't we?
1: Yes, of course. Is my mistake bringing you back too quickly? I'm afraid. I've seen you reach 41. You have that courage. If books do have the power to bring people together, this one may work its magic.
2: Do you suppose it's possible for us to already belong to someone before we've met them? If so, I belong to the spirit I found among you on Guernsey. And Todd, since you didn't talk about the last one, you could be the first to talk about this one. And it was your idea. So uh, tell us all about uh, the Potato Peel Pie Society and what you thought.
0: Yeah, so this movie actually, was, it was released internationally and then it was acquired by Netflix. And so it became a Netflix original in the United States and some other places. So that's why nobody saw it and why there's no like domestic box office, which, uh, I don't know, seems like a weird Netflix movie. Uh, it is set in 1946. Uh, there's this um, writer from England her name is Juliet played by Lily James and uh, she is on a sort of book tour kind of thing and she finds um, that there's this thing called the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society which is sort of like a front that uh, that uh, these people had in Nazi Germany uh, for being out late and it's like sort of, you know, becomes a book club um I don't know i mean i've never seen it but doesn't this feel like the same movie as the book thief i I feel like these kind of things like come up every once in a while um of
2: not really though
0: i don't know i mean it's it's like this like really elegant costume drama i mean and yeah the sets and stuff are really nice but i mean that just might be a, a commitment to the artistic detail of the filmmaker or something like that but um it uses these things like narration and stuff that are that are really sort of like cliche, lame. You, you really, really have to be in a period drama to get to kick out of this. I feel like it's one of those things where it, it is almost like so defined of a niche that you have to be in. It's almost like an extreme genre movie to, to actually really, really love this or seek it out, which is probably why it ended up on Netflix. And I'm sure a lot of people have seen this. Um, the story is pretty cool, but making a movie that's like a, about courage set in Nazi Germany is really kind of hard to screw up it regardless of how conventional it is. The movie is easy. It's simple. Um, uh, it's not bad, but it's nothing new. It's kind of hard to hate and I'm giving it two and a half stars. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm giving this one two
2: stars. Um, I think the thing you said that rung the, rung the truest was, uh, it's uh corny and conventional. That's kind of what I thought all throughout as I was watching it is that it's not really doing anything, anything innovative here. It's not really doing anything that's going to make you go, Oh, now that's interesting. It's like, you know, every beat of this movie from the setup and, uh, and you know exactly what's going to be happening. You know exactly where it's going to go. Um, there, there's, there's some interesting actors in this. I mean, I've, I, uh, as Boy, we were getting Glenn ready Powell. for this. I mean, yeah, Glenn Powell's in it in kind of a thankless role. I mean, he plays about as vanilla as you possibly can. Um, I, as we were getting ready to do it, I, I said I, I don't mind staring at Lily James for two hours. I think she's one of the more gorgeous actresses that's working right now. Um, but it's, like I said, it's just conventional. It is boring. It's predictable. And it's, it's definitely got its niche crowd. So when we decided we were going to do this, I went and told my wife, oh, yeah, we're going to come to the stable, this weird movie title that's the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. And she went, oh, yeah, I've seen that. I love that movie. I'm like, this is totally a Cassie movie. See? And uh, and uh, she sat and, and watched it with me last night while uh, she read a book, because that's the type of movie it is that you can read a book and still understand exactly what's going on in it. And uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Two stars. Zach? Yeah, I I agree with Terry. I I give it two stars as well. Um, I fell asleep a couple times. (laughs) Part of the problem I had with this movie I mean, the school year is is happening now, so uh, falling asleep, it happens. Yeah, and football. I mean, come on. Um, Part of the problem I had with this movie is uh, I didn't realize that the flashback scenes were actually flashbacks. Definitely not a good thing to go into this movie with. I also didn't realize that the Lily James and Jessica Brown Finlay characters were different characters. I thought it was the same actress. Jessica Brown Finlay looks a lot like Lily James in my defense. So you can understand that there was a lot of confusion watching this movie with a woman who uh, is in a flashback from two years earlier. And then there's another woman and she's supposed to have disappeared. And then this other woman who looks strikingly similar is back and everybody's talking about, I thought we were doing like, you know, an adaptation Nicholas cage thing. Like maybe they were, you know, uh, uh, twins or something, or there was some schizophrenia going on. When I came to my senses and my wife explained it to me. Um, yeah. It just kind of, it, it was basically like every single, um, you know, it, it's clearly riffing on Downton Abbey it's clearly, you're right, Todd, in the in the book thief vein. Um, I will say there were some unusual parallels to my best friend's wedding because you have a writer named Juliette Julianne, and she has a gay publisher best friend, and she takes a trip. And there may be a wedding at the end of the movie or a marriage at the end of the movie. Um, the title is Ungainly. And another backstory is the, the only reason why I went on board with this movie was because uh, I love Oliver Reed. Okay, Uh, and Oliver Reed was a drunken buffoon who had very questionable political opinions, but he was a great talk show host. And if you watch the David Letterman episode from the mid 80s that Oliver Reed was on where he almost punched Dave, he's talking about how he lived on the island of Guernsey, which I've never heard of before this movie. I'm like, that actually exists. I thought Oliver Reed was just drunk and making up an island that he was that he was living on. Um, According to Wikipedia, um there's an anecdote of oliver reed and 36 friends drinking in one evening 60 gallons of beer 32 bottles of scotch 17 bottles of gin four crates of wine and a bottle of something called baby cham which i've never heard of before um that is a movie i want to see and that is not this movie unfortunately so um they missed out on a golden opportunity for a a guernsey story about indulgence i don't really care potato peel pie i don't want who wants to eat that i want to see oliver reed and his friends you know drinking excessively maybe andre the giant made an appearance i don't know um this movie was pretty forgettable garbage except for the name and you got to think in those producers meetings they were like that's going to be the only thing that sells this movie is the name of it um I did get that Lily James was Pam Anderson. I thought that might have been the other Lily, uh, but this was uh, the Pam Anderson Lily. So um, uh, kudos on me, I that guess. It does not look like Jessica James Finley or whatever her name was. Yeah, that's... They don't,
2: they don't, other than them both having dark hair and being British. That's about all they have all, in
0: common. Well, uh
2: and, okay. and are on the island of Guernsey. I, I, I will say bad. yeah. Shout out to Matthew Good. It was a, it was the second Matthew Good movie I watched this week because he also was in Medieval, um, and uh, yeah, of, of course this title came about by drunken people. Um, I, <laughs> that, that, that's the only way to explain it. And uh, yeah, Glenn, I will say pa- I don't want to try ahead. the potato peel pie, but I do want to try the gin.
1: Glenn Powell is interesting. I cannot actually think of a worse actor in a period british piece than glenn powell that's like laughably bad you you had to think that like mike newell the director of donnie brasco knew that glenn powell would be like doing a brad pitt in italian accent from inglorious bastards in this role like it is it is so he's so out of place in this movie but it did wake me up he's the, he's the one american
2: else. he's yeah. the one american he doesn't even and try he's to, supposed to be like american.
1: A, an american in the 40s like he's just like you know yo what what's up Hey everybody! You know I'm a <laughs> pilot. I found your I found your long lost German doppelganger. Like he doesn't even try to have any sort of you know. There's there's no like Rex Harrison in him or there's no like uh, you know um, James Mason right. He's not a classically trained actor. He's he's the bro from Everybody Wants Some that we love. And he's and he's, he's uh, and he's hangman. And he's hangman. Yeah. All right. This was fun.
0: <laughs> his yeah his best performance was was it from this weekend was on college game day
1: yes he <laughs> called texas man almost almost pulled the upset i texted <sighs> todd before the game i said texas total points versus the rotten tomatoes score for don't worry darling i would take the texas points wow yeah i, I, don't, I don't think that's right. gonna quite gonna quite make it but it's, i think they're in the same range
2: all right. Well, Todd gives it two and a half. Zach and I give it two. The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society is on Netflix. Oh, what did the wife think?
1: My wife? Yeah. Though Todd's not married. Um. So uh, I True. think I True think story. we both thought I think we both thought it was pretty boring. Although I do think she cried at the end of it. But, um. In a way, two stars for this movie is almost more offensive than one star. You know, like I would rather a movie like this just go for broke and be awful than middle brow bullshit like this. Like, let's get let let's get Glenn Powell and more of these scenes mucking it up and let's actually get some really bad pie and um this was a PG movie. Oh, it's so, so PG. If it was it's rated the R, then let's maybe... get the unrated Mike Newell director's cut, some Donny Brasco. You know, they're With going Paul out the, they're going out on the boat, and the ladies are topless. Let's get more let's get that version. So
2: so more Donny Brasco, less uh notice I got the four weddings and right a funeral. And, you were uh, closer. Less Harry Potter. Yes. All right. Well, if you want to watch the guernsey literary and potato peel pie society i just had to say the title one more time it's on netflix it's a terrible be, title
1: can, can that be it's a the title of question book. can that be one of your guys trivia questions in the future like just put random on a random deep dive what was the name of that stupid movie on guernsey that we <laughs> yeah, had to this walk is walk worth like 14 group, points Braswell. one for each word exactly. and then exactly. see how many you're gonna get
0: i think when i was reviewing it i forgot a couple of words honestly <laughs>
1: By the way, can we come to the stable, the movie that Oliver Reed was promoting when he was on David Letterman? It was a movie called Castaway, and um, it was supposedly supposedly pretty bad. Yeah, I've always wanted to watch it. What year? Oh, mid 80s, some sometime. Um, Yeah, I can't remember. I'll have to look it up. Not the Tom Hanks castaway. Do you think anyone has talked about this movie this much?
2: I mean, it does take green a while to say the title.
1: On, on 10 minutes on this movie. <laughs> I don't think anyone at Netflix even talked about it this much. All right. Moving on.
0: <laughs> so somebody probably read the book. Like Terry's wife probably read this book. and then...
2: I don't know if she's read the book. But she did; she had seen the movie before before we watched it this week. Oh, so.
1: That's interesting. This should have been a Keira Knightley movie. That was the smartest thing uh, my wife said. This, she said, this should be a Keira Knightley movie from 15 years ago. And I was like, yes, that's it. Except a bad Keira Knightley movie.
2: <laughs> I mean, I feel like Lily James is a very similar actress to Keira Knightley 15 years ago.
1: Yes, exactly. That's why it yeah. was a good point.
2: Exactly. It is a good point. All right. Moving on. Power rankings time
1: you can't top that
0: yeah that's the movie about the horse
1: i'm gonna pull an audible at the
2: last minute here that's because i haven't seen it power rankings not including fargo can't choose fargo ever again and i believe zach won yes zach won last time so he got to pick our topic that's very much based on last week's episode so uh I think you may have even said that this is what you were thinking of doing on last week's episode. So, Zach, what are we doing?
1: We are doing best movie and TV weddings. Now, you could take this in any number of directions. A wedding that you'd want to go to, a wedding that's well choreographed and well-dressed. And if you looked up best movie weddings online like I did, that's pretty much all you got was the best dressed weddings. (laughs) <laughs> but there's also some examples of chaotically uh, terrible weddings that go awry with um, violence and bloodshed and um, animals. And uh, those those are the ones that I'm more interested in. But I think you could take this list in however, whatever direction you'd want.
2: All right. Well, let's get this started off. I think I'm going to go first on this. Um, at first, I was like, I, don't, I can't think of anything like nothing is popping into my head for movie weddings and so yeah i did some some search online found some lists and then i was like oh okay i'm good now i'm good <clears throat> so my number 5 uh i'm going to throw i'm going to throw an animated movie out there for number 5 uh just in how how chaotic this this wedding ended up turning out and so my number 5 is the little mermaid uh it, it's a it's a great wedding scene uh that goes completely sideways thanks to ariel messing up the a wedding between eric and ursula uh it, it's it's uh and all the all the fish and birds and everything freak out i'm gonna put it on the list probably because i i'm gonna say this was probably the first wedding scene i ever watched i think i was like five when when did little mermaid come out 89 so I was I was four when the Little Mermaid came out. There's a very good possibility this is the first wedding scene I ever watched. And it's it's a pretty iconic one. So my number five is the Little Mermaid.
1: Not one I thought of, but Sure. Can can, can I go next? Because it's my number five too, Terry. Nice! <laughs> I thought about Merloting it, but I wanted to hear what you had to say. It's my number five, too. I was actually watching The Little Mer. I was depressed from all my uh, horrible college football bets yesterday. So when Wisconsin blew it, I turned on the Disney Channel, and, and The Little Mermaid was on. And uh, I hadn't remembered uh, The Wedding and The Little Mermaid. And... Uh, That's a great one. Uh, It's a great one for a few reasons. Number one, anytime you get seagulls and sea otters and uh, oceanic uh, wildlife involved, um, it's just great fun. I mean, when the seals are playing with the bride like a ball and they bounce her into the (laughs) wedding cake, you just can't beat that. You also got the priest and there was the notorious Disney scandal in the 80s where it looked like the priest was having an erection. It was his knee. Well, I i mean, there was also a phallus on the cover of The Little Mermaid. This is if you very remember true. Correctly. So I, I don't know what they were smoking. But unfortunately, in the, modif- in the ed- heavily edited uh, Disney Channel version of The Little Mermaid that I watched, we did not see the erection. But that adds to the charm of the scene. What's interesting about this wedding is it stops midway through because, you know, Ursula's uh, diabolical plan is revealed. And then it goes back. Like, the same guests are there. The same it's the same venue, um, largely the same outfits, different bride. But um, you got to wonder how many weddings have been stopped for a catastrophic event involving a sea witch and then resumed maybe, I don't know, 20, 20 minutes later. What What do you think? Was that the next day? Maybe a few days later? I couldn't tell. But uh, it's a great wedding. And, um, you know, it's it, it's a classic. This, Ursula's name, by the way, as the bride is Vanessa. That would have been a good tribute question. I, I did not know been. that. Yeah, I
2: didn't either. And shout out to the uh, to the teaser trailer coming out uh, this week for the uh, the new live action yes. Little Mermaid. So Very true. We got that mm-hmm. to look forward to. I watched the live action Pinocchio this week, and it was as horrible as it looks. The CGI, like, I don't know what Zemeckis is smoking, but the CGI in that is just god awful. It's horrible. All right. Now I got that out of the way. Todd, number
0: five. Uh, well, changing tone completely. My number five is a movie that we probably will never talk about. I don't think we even reviewed it when it came out. But it is from 2018. It is Tag. <laughs> this is it's yes! uh wow I it's a tag. great it's a great beautiful setup for a wedding like these got the all the guys are hanging out in the back row while their best friend jerry that. played by jeremy renner who's never been tagged in this game of tag has been going on for like 30 years since like first grade um then you get this dream sequence where ed helms is like oh i got the i got the opening the doves are gonna come up. I'm gonna go tag him, and he goes up and tags him. But then you cut back in classic comedy fashion, and you see what actually happens. And he just like flies by and headbutts the priest. Uh, it's it's amazing. It's a great it's a great culmination of this movie, which is really funny. It's like in that game night sort of vein where it's like these really distinguished actors are playing childlike uh, personas. Again, I think that all kind of started with the league, honestly. But like this is a brilliant showcase of that it's a good movie really funny and it's a it's a it's a really good wedding sequence
2: i had completely forgotten about that movie exactly let alone, right? that, it, let alone <laughs> that it revolved around a wedding man good call good call Thank also a you. great
1: title <laughs> it's a great yes. title
2: it's all, it's all you need to know really
0: <laughs> have and, you and, seen and, that it, zach no i okay, we got it we got a surprise
2: movie He's probably going to hate it. but I know, you did not like
1: Game Night either, did you, Zach? No, I, I wasn't a fan.
2: Uh, Alright. Alright, number four on my list. Uh, I, I limited my list to one TV show wedding because I feel like um, TV show weddings are kind of cheating because you just have so much more time to get invested in those characters that you're automatically going to enjoy the weddings in those shows more. So, um... I I have one on here. The honorable mention for the spot of TV show wedding on my list was uh, Jim and Pam from The Office, which is a pretty brilliant wedding and a pretty brilliant scene. And, and you could go with there's two different weddings. There's the actual ceremony and then there's what they do at Niagara Falls. But uh, the one I'm going with is possibly the most iconic and one of the most jaw dropping moments in like TV history. And that is when Ross takes you, Rachel. I mean, Emily. Uh, in friends nice, it nice. is it is a brilliant brilliant episode it's a first off like great setting for that wedding like it, it is a the, like this beautiful old castle lit by like candlelight and it's like this dark feel to it um it, it's it's when it's when joey has to get inside the map so he knows where he's going in london i mean there's so many great things that are going on in this Rachel walks in at the very last second just to hear Ross say the wrong name. And then you find out the, the next season that he still married her. Like it's an act. It's a, it's a train wreck of a wedding, but it still actually was a full legit wedding. Like it didn't get hijacked like little mermaid did. And then, and, and stop. It actually happened. And, uh, yeah, one of the more iconic weddings in TV history. And, uh, there, there were a couple others in that show. This one's the best one. So Ross and Emily, Friends, that's my number four.
0: Yeah, I have I have a, a different wedding in my honorable mentions from that
1: show, but it's a great choice, obviously. All right, Zach, number four. I think I, I would rather watch Tag than Friends, but okay. Um, so interesting. I, I'm also going with the TV wedding at my number four, and it is from a, the show you just mentioned, Terry, The Office. But it yeah. is not Jim and Pam's wedding. It is from season two, I think, or three, maybe Phyllis's wedding from uh, the with, office with Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration with Bob Vance. She's getting married to Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. This is a, a, a wedding that Michael hijacks and um, he uh, he gives a hilarious uh, be- best man speech. The only reason he's a part of the groomsmen is so that Phyllis could get six weeks off, which no one had ever gotten before Phyllis. Um, There's some great subplots in this. Uh, We get, uh, I believe Dwight gives them a live creature as a present. Um, I think this is also the one where Kevin wears a wig to the wedding. And it's also where... the the tissue boxes for his feet. The tissue boxes for his feet, right. Although, are you sure that wasn't That might Pam's wedding? I can't remember. I thought that was the same one. Maybe it was the same wedding. I can't. I don't know. Um, And then uh, Uncle Albert uh, disappears from the wedding because um, Michael thinks that he is a wedding crasher. Um, Right. Old old Uncle Albert, who's you know kind of pulling an Anthony Hopkins in the father, and is a little bit uh, you know has a little bit of dementia going on. But uh, yeah, that's the office at its pinnacle. Uh, The Jim and Pam wedding to me is always a little bit overrated in the sense that it's it's almost that basically marks when the show became not funny is after they got married and borderline unwatchable and and, uh, Steve Carell left not too long after that. But Phyllis's wedding is a great episode. Very funny stuff. And uh, let's let's be honest, Phyllis and and Bob Vance from Vance Refrigeration, much better couple than Jim and Pam. They deserve their own spinoff.
2: I don't know about that, but it is it is a good choice. It is a good choice. Todd no yeah Todd number four.
0: My number four is a another way way off of what you guys are talking about. It is the Lars von Trier classic melancholia. yes uh, which uh, is a movie that is set around a very doomed wedding and not just because the family dynamics are horrible and no one gets along but because there's like this planet that's also going to collide with earth so there's like this impending doom like literal end of the world kind of shit lurking in the background it is a seriously pessimistic movie for Lars but it is awesome at the same time um there's a really complex toast done by John Hurt and Charlotte Rampling that is kind of devastating I think it's one of Vuncher's best movies and it's it's sort of like a it is a, definitely a stunning example of a wedding, but it's also, it's just sort of an astonishing, like, slow build, like, sort of terrifying movie. And I guess that's the way I went with this list.
1: <laughs> Never seen it. I mean, anytime you get a movie that ends with the end of the world, which I believe Von Trier is now done in two movies, um, you got to respect that. Can't it's, top it's a that. Great pick. Yeah.
2: All right. Number three on my list is kind of a layup pick. It's one you kind of have to mention, but at the same time, it's a great scene. It's not even a wedding you see on screen. You really just see the the uh the the reception, but it's pretty much like the first half hour of the movie. It's the Godfather. Uh I mean we, we deep dove it earlier this year do i really need to say much else i mean it's it's the godfather it's the first half hour of the godfather is the wedding reception for uh for talia shire and you meet all the characters you see them in their own element with their families yet also doing business it's the godfather the godfather
0: yeah (laughs) I mean, it's a great sequence, but yeah, I, you don't actually see the wedding, so that was why I sort of I didn't include it in my five, but it it, it absolutely should be on any list of wedding sequences or something. Yeah, yeah. There's some I, good. I thought about that,
2: but I was like, yeah, I'll I'll do it anyways.
1: There's some good shit in the Coppola commentary on that movie about how they really messed up like the lighting in that scene, and so the scenes with Pacino and Keaton were filmed on a separate day than everything else in that wedding sequence. And you would never tell, you would never be able to tell the difference. Um, Oh, wow. But I, that was a cool little tidbit from the commentary. I can't remember if we talked about that in our deep dive of it, but.
2: We didn't. That's cool. All right, Zach, number three.
1: All right. I know it's a little cheating to go to TV and a little, and a little tacky to go to TV more than once, but I had to bring this other example from the world of TV into this list and that is from my favorite NBC sitcom, not The Office. I'm going with Seinfeld. And I'm going with Sue Ellen Mishki's wedding in India in the last season of Seinfeld, which is the famous, in other words, the famous episode where everything goes backwards. So they start at the end oh, of the episode. Yes. The end of the episode, the memento which episode. is where it's memento, it's Harold Pinter's betrayal, whatever you want to call it. It ends with the first scene, and the first scene involves uh, 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 Elaine and Jerry and George at a wedding in India, and you think, how the hell did they get there? And gradually it's revealed that uh, Elaine's nemesis, Sue Ellen Mischke, uh, invited her to the wedding, not thinking that Elaine would ever accept. It also turns out that Sue Ellen's uh, uh, Bo, the guy she's about to marry, who, who is Indian and his name is Pinter, uh, actually went by Peter and had slept with Elaine. And uh, it is also Jerry's, uh, the, the backup to Elaine, uh, in much the same way that I think High Fidelity is, is the backup to Sideways. Um, Nina uh, dates uh, George, uh, but Jerry has slept with Nina and there's some revelations there. It's It's a brilliant, iconic episode of a great TV series. And uh, it's a great wedding, too, because, um, you know, there's cheating and there's devastation. And there's a really funny subplot about George wearing uh, shoes that make him about three or four inches taller than he actually is. So I had to go with it. And uh, it's it's one of the one of the all time best episodes. It might have been the last great episode of Seinfeld. It was kind of at the end of its run after Larry David had left.
2: It's a good pick. I remember that episode. I completely forgotten it was about a wedding, though, so.
1: It is about a wedding.
2: I need to watch my way through Seinfeld again. My wife's never seen Seinfeld.
1: It's a little disturbing how few people watch Seinfeld anymore, even though it's, yeah. on, Netflix. But, uh, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. I have the box good.
2: set. I have the box set DVDs. They, they had like the complete series on DVD for like 50 bucks at one point. And so I, I just like, yeah, well, yeah, I got to get that. So.
1: The complete series on DVD, and, and how much is that probably worth now? Maybe, like, $8?
2: Probably. Probably.
1: Not a great investment, but I can't say I didn't make the same. I got
2: it, like, 10 years ago, so...
0: Alright,
2: Todd, number three.
1: My number three
0: is my TV pick. It is Saved by the Bell. Uh, it is about... The, this whole, like, it's a TV movie, sort of. It's also sort of like a four-part series finale. It's set around the wedding in Las Vegas of zach and kelly and um the whole build-up is sort of is like national lampoons kind of thing with the group doesn't have any money so they have to make money and they have to take some like really horrible jobs and nobody's being honest and everyone's being really dumb because it's saved by the bell uh at the actual wedding it's like a really cool outdoor setting because they try to get married in a chapel but one of the many people that played zach's father in the show like broke it up at one point and um that that wedding actually had some um uh, callbacks to the actual show because there was like a whole se- like season in college uh, including one of the people was uh jesse played by elizabeth berkeley which was actually the year before she returned to las vegas in Showgirls, which was that one director's number one of the 90s or whatever exactly says i um i've probably seen this thing like 20 times which is uh i mean because it's one of those things that's always on and when it's on it's kind of hard to stop watching because it really is like a 90 minute episode of one of my favorite shows and It's a great wedding, and it really is all about the stuff leading up to the wedding. But yeah, Save by the Bell, Wedding in Las Vegas. Number three.
2: Would have never thought of that, but I respect the pick. I completely forgot.
0: Okay, forgot about that. that. Who's that that director that likes Showgirls so much, Zach?
1: Jacques Crevet. Jacques yes. there we go. Good call, Terry. Nicely done. I don't know how. Good form.
0: <laughs> yes. I don't think
1: I would have remembered that. It's only been mentioned in our podcast like, I don't know, half a
0: dozen times, but right. I even forgot Who, about it. And I was Who's, been, mention, who's
2: been mentioned more? Jacques <laughs> Revet or Peter Shimonoshek?
0: Shimonoshek for sure. Greg yeah, Kinnear and then Simonishek, Yeah, And then Jacques Revet.
2: <sighs> All right. Number three for me. Uh, Or no, number two for me. Going to number two. Uh, possibly the most iconic wedding scene in movie history is what I'm going with with my number two and that is The Graduate mm. um, end of The Graduate I mean you've got you've got you know Dustin Hoffman Ben Braddock pounding on the on the windows stopping the wedding and then and then the the aftermath of them just riding off into the sunset together is in her still in her, her wedding dress. It's, it's, like I said, possibly the most iconic wedding scene ever, even though the wedding doesn't take place. It actually was a wedding unlike the Godfather. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that number two. Uh, and I just realized looking at, I need to watch the graduate again. I didn't realize that, uh, Ben Braddock's dad is played by Feeney. Did you know that Todd?
0: Like uh I did. Yeah, I listened to Pod Meets World and uh that was mentioned in that in that oh, podcast. Okay. What knew, is knew... Pod Meets World? <laughs> that is uh Will Fredell, Ryder Strong, and Daniel Fischel are watching their way through the show that they all started. in.
2: And, uh, wow. Th- wow. Those three d- man, yeah. That's yeah, yeah like because uh
0: because Ben Ben uh he said that's not his thing and so he wouldn't be a part of it. But they, they interview some of the other guys, uh people on the show and Yeah, when William Daniels and his wife, the dean in uh, the college episodes, uh, was on there. Yeah, that was mentioned.
2: He's he's getting up there, man.
0: Oh, he is definitely old as shit.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He's I'm pulling it up here right now. He he was born in 1927, so he's uh, 95 years old right now.
0: And he looked every bit of it when he was on Germany's World like five years ago. He
2: did. He really did. All right. So, yeah, number two, The Graduate. Zach, where are you at? Number two.
1: All right, my number two is—I uh, think something that uh, we all need to talk about. It's a controversial pick, I realize, but if you think about it, it's actually kind of a great pick, and that is I assume <laughs> the wedding. that's Why you're picking it? That's—it's the wedding from Sideways. I mean, I know <laughs> that—I know that it—it it is a much criticized, critiqued event. But listen, if the wedding didn't happen, then the whole movie wouldn't happen. Uh, so it's a catalyst uh, for Miles and Jack's rambunctious adventures in the Santa Ynez Valley the week leading up to it.
0: See, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's not really true, though. Like, the, the if it wasn't scheduled,
1: <laughs> like, the wedding could not have happened. Listen, I think it's a great wedding, okay? <laughs> You've got... You've got that great shot. It's an Armenian wedding. How many Armenian weddings do you see portrayed in popular media? Not that many. And apparently the tradition in the Armenian wedding is for the best man to have the, uh, you know, the the cypher or whatever he's got and lay it on top of the head. And it's got that great sort of, um, you know, uh, symmetrical shot that I'm sure Wes Anderson liked of Miles right in the middle. And, you know, Jack gives him that look. There's a shit ton of people at this wedding, too um including vicky and ken um and uh it's a great event lots of nice vehicles miles's car stands out as not one of the best vehicles um we never talked about jack's parents but damn do they look happy they're thrilled a lot more thrilled than vicky's dad um probably because he likes nonfiction more than fiction um it's just a classic scene and in a classic movie that i uh, you know we don't get a whole lot from that wedding but it's just uh, it's an amazing event and um i think it has to be mentioned since it is the name of our of our podcast by the way terry did you see that the name of the production company that made barbarian was eerily close to our our name it was like almost nothing i think was the name of it
2: oh i missed that
1: i think they're they're stealing from us they might be conspiracy might be. theory it's what? not. Maybe it's not a great pick. Maybe it shouldn't be number two. But it needs to be mentioned, and no one's going to mention it. Well, so. that is
2: a uh, an uh, interesting perspective. Thank you. <laughs> That's what I have to say. Uh, no, it's good. It's a good pick. I, I hadn't even thought of that. But yeah, you're right. It's the catalyst for the entire movie. So, I, I, worth mentioning. Worth mentioning.
1: Not at number two,
2: but it's worth mentioning.
1: Well, it just occurred to me. So. maybe (laughs) had i spent more time on this list i would have thought about it
2: there we go it's your list so
1: that is true (laughs) but i did have to see barbarian today so uh
2: and it was worth it even though you gave it a thumbs down yeah and all you said was all the good stuff about it that's true todd number two
0: number two is a movie that we deep dove in the past as well it is the 40 year old virgin uh the actual wedding part is pretty short, like it's another outdoor wedding, uh, but uh, everyone's sort of paired up, you know, you know, like we got to get some f- toys, you know, like, I mean, everything, everyone, everyone knows he's a virgin at this point, too. you know, like the the priest is even like, you know, like, for God's sake, consummate the thing. It's just just great. And then, you know, obviously get the Age of Aquarius and let the sunshine in, which is actually after they have sex, but it's still at the setting of the wedding. So I think it still counts as part of the wedding. I'm not really sure how that works, but. Oh, that totally uh, counts. Yeah. So, I mean, it it is it is just one big epic, just beautiful genius thing by the writer director of the bubble. You know, the 40 year (laughs) old virgin is my number two. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Oh, well played. Well played. Uh, well, I'm gonna keep it going because that's my number one. Yes, nice. I mean, if <laughs> if I was gonna put something over The Godfather and The Graduate, I mean, of course, it had to be the 40 year old virgin, and and shirtless Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd singing The Age of Aquarius. Uh, I I was looking at a list of of movie weddings, and I came across 40 year old virgin, and they had a clip, and the still from the clip is. Is yeah, it's Paul Rudd standing there shirtless, pointing at like the midsummer pole that's that's in the middle of the of the whole thing. It, yeah, like oh well, that with with like a bandana tied around his head. I mean,
0: I rewatched the clip lately or recently, and i I didn't realize that they had brought back other people from the movie, like the oh the, yeah the girl that's like uh, giving them bi- like the bikini wax or whatever, and like Jonah Hill's
2: like, in there, Mindy Kaling's in there. Well, I
0: I remember those ones, but I didn't remember I don't remember the lady that was you know <laughs>
2: like every every every, every mum every member of the cast is in that sequence it's it's brilliant it's brilliant so yeah
0: it's my number one how is that not on zach's list that's what i want to know because i knew you guys were going to mention
1: it no you didn't absolutely how could it not how could it go unmentioned i thought that was too obvious but it is it um, is obviously a great pick what is your number one zach my number one is Rachel getting married.
0: <laughs> of course it is. Because the whole movie
1: is the wedding. <laughs> and I don't necessarily remember the wedding in it, but the events leading up to it count as the wedding, right? So it's got to count. If the whole freaking movie is the wedding and it's a great movie, apparently my number 69 of all time, uh, then it, it merits mentioning. So you, you've got to go with it. Uh, you've got, Let's see what I do remember about the movie is a great uh, uh, rehearsal dinner in which Anne Hathaway makes a great awkward speech. And you've got the bro- the, the Sydney's brother with uh, the camera and you've got uh, uh, Bill Irvin, Irvine. I can't Irwin. Um, and uh, he get, I think he's my supporting actor winner that year. Um, yeah. And Rosemary DeWitt, man. I mean, awesome. Awesome movie. Awesome wedding. The whole movie's a wedding. Why not call it the best movie wedding? This was a dumb power rankings. I'm sorry. I couldn't think of anything better. But... Listen, you it's a greater than the
2: movie you can't you didn't see all of and you put into your top 70 of all time.
1: I've seen the whole movie. I just don't remember. I remember certain parts of it better than other parts of it, but I I would I would trust and that my makes it judgment top movie, from sure. 2008 when I saw it. I skipped choir to see it by the way. And uh, I uh, I would trust my judgment from back then that it was a good wedding, that the last 40 minutes were good. So, I think it's I think it merits it's that that more than merits a spot as number 1.
2: Todd, what's your number one?
0: My number one is—it uh, was previously mentioned on my best final achievements, uh, best movie TV bartenders, and best movie TV soldiers. And of course, that is the Deer Hunter. Uh, the The wedding—the wedding—is actually pretty low key. It's—I mean—it has the that sequence where the bat, There's a bad omen of him spilling the wine on the wedding dress, and it obviously is foreshadowing for the entire movie and the sense of dread coming. But the the overall wedding sequence kind of is like 45 minutes and like there's the part with the green beret at the bar and then there's like the endless dancing sequences where christopher walkett is possessed i mean he gives the greatest performance in the history of movies in the greatest movie in the history of movies honestly and there's a the part where john Cazale he goes up and he like punches the guy or no 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 he punches his girlfriend for letting some guy grab his grab her ass while they're dancing and then like of course john uh, the guy who owns the bar he's all sloshed as usual and then Nikki proposes to Linda. So much happens in this. It's just a big, epic, very indulgent, but really phenomenal wedding sequence. And uh, I don't choose the Deer Hunter for many things for a Power Rangers because it's almost cheating. But I, I mean, I'd be lying if this weren't my choice because it's, and it's like the category was made to have this be number one. And if you guys actually didn't think of that or didn't mention it for because it didn't merit it, then that is a very serious issue with you because it is uh of course perfect.
2: I didn't mention it because I knew it was going to be your number one and I decided to opt for The Godfather as the uh, movie I had where the first half hour of the movie was a wedding.
1: That's I yeah. Valid. I knew you were going to mention it too. But I also knew that somewhere some way 40-year-old version was going to be mentioned. So I was being the wingman for the podcast. There we go. But obviously, that's that's a great choice, and I don't Being remember the Glenn all those, of the podcast today. I don't remember all those things happening, but that sounds pretty exciting, wasn't it? I believe it's a a Russian wedding, right?
0: Yeah. Well, you don't remember. It was basically all at the reception. Stanley, yeah. Stanley sees he's like he's grabbing her ass, and he's like he's still grabbing her ass while John's sitting next to him, like all completely drunk, and he's just he goes up and he just like slaps her because.
1: You know, I don't know. Apparently he was drunk too. I don't know. Isn't it sad that Michael Cimino never lived to see the era of Netflix? I mean, there would have been no issue with Netflix giving him $200 million to make something like Heaven's Gate. You know, he was just born in the wrong time. That was the problem. He would have made it longer. I mean, I think, I. The, here's the real thing is that I think we're, we're I'm kind of talking about indirectly Inuritu's new movie which has been compared to Heaven's Gate, it's been compared to indulgent uh, you know, excessive three hour uh, hero worship of himself but that's just kind of like, you know par for the course for Netflix and I feel like, you know, really Chimino Chimino should have been made for that
2: uh, All right it's a great uh, pick.
1: it's a great pick top
2: oh yeah it is all right let's wrap this up five to one and then we'll go to honorable mentions uh for me number five little mermaid number four friends ross and emily number three the godfather number two the graduate number one the 40 year old virgin
1: zach whatever happened to emily did she uh they got
2: divorced soon after and then it was and then was never heard from again
1: well it was sort of lingering for a bit but yeah uh, my number five is also The Little Mermaid. Number four is Phyllis's wedding from The Office. Number three is the Indian wedding, a.k.a. The backwards episode from Seinfeld. Number two is the wedding from Sideways. And number one, the entirety of Rachel getting married.
0: Uh, my number five is Tag. Number four, Melancholia. Number three, Saved by the Bell. Those are never going to be mentioned in the same sentence
1: again. <laughs> number two, the 40-year-old <laughs> version. And number one, The Deer Hunter. (laughs) That would be a really funny uh, list to come up with is uh, how are these movies connected? Um, Tag, (laughs) The Deer Hunter and uh, Saved by the Bell. bell. (laughs) Yeah, that's great.
2: (laughs) That would be good. That'd be good. All right. Honorable mentions for me. My number one is 40-year-old virgin. I couldn't think of that without thinking of I Love You, Man. I mean, seeing... Paul Rudd stroll up with a groomsman of Andy Samberg uh, squeaks McGee, a 90 year old man in Lou Ferrigno uh, is pretty great. And then
0: it should have been on your list.
2: It should have been. I just thought of it when I mentioned 40 year old virgin, but it really should have been on my list. Uh, Let's see here. What else I got here? Forrest Gump, Lieutenant Dan's got new legs. Uh, That's when we see him all cleaned up and, and married and, and all that. It's good stuff. Uh, let's see here. Other ones I need to mention. I've got several here, but I'm not going to mention all of them. Uh, let's see here. I mentioned Jim and Pam from The Office. One that has a very, very small, small moment, but uh, it's a part of a much bigger moment is Up. Uh, worth yeah. mentioning there. Uh, if I'm mentioning The Graduate, I also have to mention Wayne's World too.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um Cassandra! Cassandra! It, it's, it's good stuff. Um, one I watched recently I think that Zach even mentioned that I was get, that I need to put it on the list or, at some point but Zeus and Zoe uh, I'm going to just throw that out there it ends in a wedding, it's worth mentioning and then uh, one, let's see here one that I have to mention uh, for uh, for my son's sake Sonic the Hedgehog 2 there's a wedding in there and Sonic ruins it as you can probably imagine if you haven't seen it There you
1: go. Zach. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I went with um, I thought about Miss Geist and Mr. Hall's wedding at the end of Clueless. They got married at Cher's house. Uh, The marriage of Johnny Sack's daughter uh, in season six of The Sopranos. I don't really remember the episode, but it was the only wedding of substance I could think of on uh, The Sopranos. Um, Donnie and Daphne's wedding on Frasier, uh, where Niles finally reveals his feelings for Daphne and she, she calls off the wedding. They run off to end the season in a cliffhanger. Uh, Kieran Dírú, the Hector Babenko film, uh, Lady Di, uh, the trans female vers- in no way getting married at the jail. Okay, so the, the Hank and Marie wedding mini episode from Breaking Bad, or webisode from Breaking Bad. Did you guys ever see that? It was a flashback to when Hank was having uh, cold feet before he got married to Marie. Great little file. No. I've never
0: seen Sketch. that.
1: Okay, I'll have to send it to you. Um, they did a couple of those, actually. Uh, Robert Altman's A Wedding. I've never seen it before. It's not anywhere available, but I'm sure that would make the list. Kill Bill Volume 2, I wasn't sure what to do with this movie, but most people think that it was a wedding that had happened at. So, I mean, <laughs> it was it, wasn't rehearsal. it the rehearsal? It was the rehearsal, but the, you the know, dress that, rehearsal. That I completely took it off to. Yeah, I, you, you kind of have to take it off, but it's worth mentioning. Um, just for Rufus. Exactly. He's, he's a man. man. Uh, Moonrise Kingdom the final 30 minutes of that movie is, is a sort of wedding Twilight Breaking Dawn part one my favorite of the Twilight movies uh, you see the real stickman man um, pedigree of Robert Pattinson in that movie um, Father of the Bride of course it's a wonderful life they don't show the wedding but it also happened to be the same day that the stock market crashed so Jimmy Stewart and Don Reed gave all of their money away that is a part of the movie I've watched before it's in the first hour and a half um, and, uh, Schitt's Creek, uh, the wedding of Patrick and Eugene Levy's son. Uh, I haven't really watched it, but my wife loves that show and was watching it the other night, uh, ready or not and Sallow and the worst wedding, um, would have to be, uh, the wedding where Andrew Bigby was there and he got murdered after it. And, the, that you know, was the, uh, events leading to dear Zachary, a letter from a father to his son. Uh, that had to be the worst wedding, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's all I got. Okay. Oh, and Goodfellas. Oh yes, I'm I'm sure Todd's going to mention Goodfellas.
0: Well, I didn't have it on the list. I I mean the ones that uh, have already been (laughs) mentioned are The Godfather, um, Sideways, The Graduate, and Wayne's World Two. I had in one. That was almost going to be my number one, but then I just took it off the list. Um, I also have Muriel's Wedding. And Margot at the Wedding, both movies I really like. Um, Boy Meets World, the eventual wedding is actually pretty good. Palm Springs, I like it because, I mean, J.K. Simmons even says, you know, <laughs> he's like, it, it, this always was a good day. And it, it was. It was a really cool day. It was a really cool wedding. Um, uh, I have friends. I have the the wedding of Phoebe and Mike. Which is outside the central perk, and Joey is like officiating. He's like, "The cold has spread to my special place," and it was, you know, obviously great moments. And I was surprised Terry didn't mention Tommy Boy because uh, there's also a great wedding. I oh man,
2: I forgot about Tommy Boy. Good call. I, I had a feeling you were going to say Phoebe and Mike, and but all right, it's in the but middle will, of the street, it is in the middle <laughs> of the street, and it's a wedding between, uh, and it's again Paul Rudd, but it's a. It, crap bag and Princess Consuela banana hammock.
0: Yeah, th- that Plus, is what the third Paul Paul Rudd wedding mentioned. <laughs> I
2: think so. I think so. Uh, I, I you got to shout out Chandler and Monica's wedding too. I mean, it kind of gets gets crapped on and forgotten. Um, uh, so a couple others I had down that I that, that no one mentioned. I I left hanging out there for others, but Goodfellas, uh, Hitch. That, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. out yeah
0: the dance sequences of course yeah
2: yeah jerry Maguire, love actually mama mia and then one i forgot to write down but i wanted to mention that uh kind of counts because it was on tv and that's uh the new king charles and princess diana from back in the 80s i didn't watch it because i wasn't alive yet but i mean it was quite the tv ordeal nice okay that's done with let's let's talk about adam's list all right my my picks for adam's list Alright. I I, I kind of feel good and bad at the same time about my list here. But all right, number five, I have Furious Seven, the wedding. Uh uh I, I saw this on a list and I'm like, this is totally something Adam's gonna throw on at number five. Uh because uh Dom shows up to his wedding in white blue jeans and a wife beater. Um so uh yeah. Number four, crazy rich Asians, uh number three, the graduate, number two, sound of music, number one, the godfather. That's what I got. Zach.
1: Uh, number five, Palm Springs. Number four, My Best Friend's Wedding. Number three, Father of the Bride. Number two, not, not the recent Father of the Bride. Uh, number two, 40-year-old oh. version. And number one, Ready or Not. And anything other than that being number one will be disappointing for Adam.
0: Number five, uh, The Sound of Music. Number four, Ready or Not. Number three, New Order, which is that, is I don't that? Know, movie that he loved from a couple years ago, he said none of us will ever watch. We still haven't. Uh, number two, the Godfather. It's I guess set around a wedding. Number two is the Godfather, and number one is of course uh, the Game of Thrones red wedding. Oh no! Nice. But it could be any Game Ooh. of Thrones wedding. But good call. We uh, forgot that, that. completely.
2: Number. All right, here we go. Here we go. Honorable mentions. Crazy rich Asians. Damn you, Adam. Um, Twilight Breaking Dawn Part One. Uh modern family Cam and Mitch. The Sound of Music. What a
0: bitch. I know. I the Father the of the and bride.
2: bride. And uh Merrill and Johnny in Metal Gear Solid 4 Guns of the Patriots. <laughs> yes.
0: No, not a boy.
2: <laughs> Dude.
0: That that he deserves a point for that.
2: <laughs> Does it get his point back?
0: <laughs> no. He doesn't. <laughs> not if I don't win this.
2: <laughs> All right. Uh, number five, Kip and LaFonda in Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's that's obscure. Mm-hmm. Number four, Adam and Trish, the 40-year-old virgin. Number three, Buttercup and Prince Humperdinck in The Princess Bride. Number two, Connie and Carlo in The Godfather. And number one, Pam and Jim in The Office.
1: I got one. I got one.
2: I got... No, or I got one. I got the Godfather.
0: I got the Godfather in the right spot.
2: I had the Godfather number one.
1: I had four year old version.
2: I had two honorable mentions. I don't know. Who gets the <laughs> point? Todd had it in the right spot. Did, is did we go with that before we look at honorable mentions? But well, Terry, I had
1: I had one honorable mention. And Terry uh, had mentioned uh Jim and Pam's wedding. On his list
2: true
0: how my you watch game of thrones how has nobody mentioned the i don't wedding? know
2: i don't know that was that was because it a wasn't a pretty oversight wedding. on my part <laughs> i don't know todd what what are what are normally the rules isn't it is it do we go with placement before we look at honorable mentions
0: I mean, it's, if it's not the placement is number one, then it really is iffy. Like, we, we really just sort of it's just do, what, do what we do.
2: Okay. Because, yeah, I've got I had The Godfather 1. He had it number 2. But I said Sound of Music and Crazy Rich Asians, and those were both in his honorable mentions. Zach had one, and he had one honorable mention with Father of the Bride. But I don't know if it's the right one because Zach had to specify. He hadn't specified. I wouldn't care um
1: it's not he didn't like the recent father of the bride
2: hey he said annie and brian from the father of the bride i don't yeah, know yeah that's one
1: that is. that's the first one that's or the a steve martin one. version
2: oh oh
0: oh that so one there, not, not like the spencer tracy not, version not, yeah there's
2: no. the spencer tracy one there's three father of right. Brides. right there's right, annie garcia steve martin spencer tracy.
1: yeah spencer tracy yeah
2: okay whatever okay i don't know <laughs>
0: I'm more confused now than I was before. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I,
2: I think. I think I win because I had more honorable mentions. His number one was on my list, and his, and um one of the films he mentioned may or may, that hadn't been mentioned before may or may not be my quote of the day later.
1: I think Todd wins. I, I think if <laughs> if you get one in the right spot, I think that probably clinches it. Plus, Todd had a really obscure guess, which was an interesting guess.
0: I can't, I'm honestly surprised he didn't do that. Cause he, he like that was one that was on his top ten. And he's like that's this is the Adam pick that nobody is ever going to see. Called New Order. I don't know it was like twenty twenty. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'll give Terry the win. He needs the points. Nobody's that's, that's the thing. I need the
1: that's points. True. Yeah,
0: I'll give and Terry his twenty sixth win. Freaking
2: two- bone here.
0: I'm at forty three. Zach's at twenty seven, and Terry's now at twenty six. And I'm not giving Adam a point, even though Metal Gear is great to mention, even though I've never played that, that the fourth game. I
2: have that game. I've never actually played it. I don't know why. I just never got around to it. All right. It is trivia time. Are you ready?
1: Well, let's hope so. Oh, I forgot about this. John Void is a slap in the face.
0: This is going downhill quick. Trivia.
2: Zach won last time so he got to assign us stuff to watch and he's hosting trivia zach that's how it works those are the rules you host trivia when you win and and catching you assign on. Stuff. he's catching on he, he didn't he didn't text me yesterday to double check or anything no
1: I, no I knew, he wouldn't do that
2: all right uh who do you want to go first me or todd uh i
1: can't, I can't remember what i assigned to either of you so it really doesn't matter Let, let's go with um i uh let's go with todd first
2: todd you're first what'd you watch
0: remind zach
1: Okay, well, he gave me a choice of like four different movies. Oh, that's so right. He, it was like a he bunch really, of really, movies.
0: really doesn't remember. Uh, <laughs> I I'm reviewing a movie called "I Used to Be Darker," directed by yeah, Matthew choice. Porterfield from 2018, uh, which stars Dara Campbell as Taryn, and she's this. Uh, Irish teen she's pregnant and she goes to live with her aunt and uncle in Baltimore and they're actually kind of about to end their marriage and split but uh, they don't want to make any waves because their daughter doesn't really like that uh, she, and um, it, it's pretty basic premise it's absolutely a, like a late 2000s indie style movie about like family dynamics and it has a really low budget it's, it's kind of aconizingly slow in a good way it almost is hypnotic in that way and there's some like really emotional music scenes which i didn't really see coming and i think the lead actress she's really good i i don't know how this movie though didn't star like caitlin deaver or julia garner or joey king i mean it, it, any of these actresses in the last like 15 years could have done this it, it feels like one of those movies like is like a sundance also ran which are normally better than the movies that actually win the prizes. I, I think it's pretty solid. And I, I really like this movie by Matthew Porterfield called Solar's Point. It was in my top 10 of the year that it came out. And I remember uh, Zach reviewing this because I had mentioned that and he had never heard of that movie. And I had never heard of this movie, but it's a really good movie about like suburban
1: simplicity. And uh, yeah, I, I give it three stars. Definitely a good one. Yeah, so this movie is now coming back to me now that you mentioned it. Uh, great call with Julia Gardner, by the way. That you're right. That main act, the main character, should have been played by Julia Gardner. I actually, it's funny that I was mentioning Rachel getting married. This movie is almost like a spiritual sequel to Rachel Getting Married in the sense that you're right. There are some long, protracted scenes in this movie with people playing music in like with their friends, um, yeah. and uh, it feels like a Jonathan Demme movie, um, and it's really good. I just remember really being struck by it. I. It was like one thing I like that indie movies sometimes do is like this is a movie about you you get this kind of um, fish out of water and she's doesn't quite know her bearings in this in this um, milieu. But you get this father and mother who are divorcing and and I love the dynamic like they don't they don't really talk to each other. They're drinking a lot. It's clear their marriage is over, and yet the movie does it. in. It's not like Virginia Woolf or anything. It just kind of shows this sort of sad environment where everybody doesn't quite know how to talk to each other at all. Um, I I, I watched this movie in the throes of the pandemic. I just remember really liking it and digging its vibe more so than specifically the story or even the performances. It just felt unique and different, and uh, I should check out Matthew Porterfield's other movie. Yeah, Solar's Point.
0: Check it out, too. And I used to be darker.
1: Yeah, I used to be darker and now has uh, 997 votes on IMDb. Let's get up to a thousand people. Come on. There we Work go. Your your all
2: right. So the movie I had to watch and that Zach doesn't I remember, don't remember at all. Uh, does not remember at all uh, is a movie that let's see here was uh, number 24 on his top 100.
0: Oh, boy. You
2: know, yeah. Rachel getting married, obviously, is what I had to watch. No. Um <laughs> we, we've already covered where that was on his list. I had to watch oh, um, Iladro di Bimbino, uh, The yes, Stolen Children. Great. Excellent.
1: Uh
2: yes, uh directed by Gianni Amelio. Uh this won the Palme d'Or? Is that no, or something like that? Not it that won good. a No, it won a big festival prize. Uh it was the um,
1: it, it, grand prize it, it, winner, the grand prize the grand can. prize of
2: the jury winner at, yeah. at can't not, not the palm door no it, it was nominated for the palm door though correct uh yeah so this movie is a story of a of a man who is tasked of uh taking two children um who are moving to um to foster home a group home type of deal and it's his job to take them there and that's the movie Uh, and it's a very simple premise. Uh, one of the children or the reason the children were taken away from the mother is one of the children was being prostituted out at the age of 11. Um, so there was that going on, but it's a very, very simple story. And it's one that is a very simple movie as I'm watching it. I'm like, okay, what, nothing is really going on. What is, what is so great about this movie? And then when you get to like the last like half hour, as things start to break down and, and, uh, and this uh this guy who's been who's uh his name is Antonio as he's starting to to uh see that maybe some of the stuff he's been doing hasn't necessarily been what he's supposed to have done uh you realize just how invested you get in these characters through just watching nothing happen and uh it's it really turns into something quite special i i would say uh, it's a at the same time, it's a road trip movie where, you know, it, there's healing going on on both sides in a similar way to like something. If you want to talk about something more recent, like Dog this year, where where you had Channing Tatum and the dog, they were they started off ad- adversarial and then they turned into like best friends by the end of it, where they can't live without each other. That's kind of what happens here, too, where uh, the, the children are so against him in almost every way, but then they realize that they can't really live without each other at the same time. Uh, it ends in a very open-ended manner, which is always better than telling us what happens. Uh, I, I ended up really, really enjoying it, really liking it. And uh, yeah, it's one of those that lulls you into caring. And I didn't necessarily see it coming uh, when, it, when it got to the end. So three and a half stars for The Stolen Children. And I will say the main actor in this, Antonio, who's played by Enrico Loverso, he, uh, he looks a lot like Karan Sony who is uh, the ma- one of the main characters from Todd's one of Todd's favorite movies from last year, Seven Days, but he's also the cab driver from the Deadpool movies. Um, they-, they-, they look pretty much the same character. They're the same nice. guy. So I-, I had to throw that out there. Good choice, Zach.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love this movie. I'd wanted to see it for years and years. It was never available. Came on Amazon in the middle of the pandemic. It was a very special viewing experience. Is it the 24th best movie ever made? I I don't know. But, but I agree with a lot of what you say, Terry, Uh, it is a movie that sneaks up on you. That's a good way of putting it. You're surprised at how much you've grown emotionally attached to these characters. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're not cutesy little cutout movie characters either. I mean, for example, this right. police officer, he really doesn't like getting this assignment. He doesn't like kids. He doesn't quite know what to do with these kids. You get this little girl who has obviously been traumatized in really horrific fashion, but she's a, she's kind of spoiled and she doesn't really care about her brother. And her brother doesn't talk for the first half of the movie. He's this kind of closed book. Um, and it's not like there's one sort of cathartic event that brings them together. Um, a lot of the movie is just kind of driving and going on trains. There's a long sequence where they go to Antonio's family's house. Um, and uh, not a wedding. It was not a, a wedding. A unfortunately, communion. that, that absolutely could have been on my list though. <laughs> uh, but um, you know, and, and then there's this stigma that the, that the, that the girl has because people start hearing, I, th- I believe her name is Rosetta. Her name is in the papers. I believe it was in the papers. That was, that was from the departed. Um, and uh you know, there's stigma attached to the sexual violence that she experienced. I think the last scene of this movie is magnificent in a way that is really hard to uh, articulate. I love that the last image um, of them just sitting on that curb and the dialogue about um, that there's a soccer team at the orphanage um, is perfect. I think, I, I think the movie has a flawless conclusion and I love the music. This is a movie that's an hour and fifty-four minutes. It honestly could have been like eight hours. I was so on board with it, and I, I love everything about this movie. And um, I don't know why it's it's not better remembered. It is by the writers of uh, The Best of Youth, which is also one of my favorite movies. But uh, definitely a modern day kind of Italian neorealist classic that uh, deserves more attention. Is anyone from the Criterion Collection listening? Let, let's get this. Let's get a proper release for this movie.
2: I like the sound of that. I had to
1: rent this on Amazon. It's one of the few movies i own on amazon
2: oh i thought about it because it was like a buck 99 to rent and like 4.99 to own i was like well yes i mean (laughs) (laughs) might kind of be worth it but i didn't all right well zach it's trivia time what are we doing
1: all right so i'm i've liked what i've done the last few times with trivia where i'll come up with a list of some obscure sorts and uh you guys are going to have to come up with films that you want to nominate for the list and then figure out where they're on located on this list and so i'm going to give you five films each now this time it is not from some obscure book of sports movies that we did last time which is where we also got kansas city bomber by the way which is one of our come to stable movies this is the list that IndieWire came out with earlier this year from march 2022 The 70 Best Comedies of the 21st Century. So what we're going to do is you are going to nominate five films each. And when you nominate them, you get one point if they appear on this list. And you get an additional point if you are closer in identifying where on the list they rank. And you get three points if you nominate a film on the list and you get the exact right placement. We'll see if, uh, if 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 the rules make sense. Um, you lose one point if it is not on the list. Now, I will say uh, I want to. I'll give you some sort of hints here. This is IndieWire, okay? This is not um, Us Magazine or Us Weekly. It is IndieWire. They are Cineasts, so there is a bit of uh, you know highfalutin taste involved. But uh, these are the seventy best comedies of the 21st century their byline to this article is if it's true that laughter is the best medicine consider this list a panacea and that tells you everything you need to know using the word panacea so uh i think we're gonna start with terry terry do you have a film that you'd like to nominate uh for this list
2: let's go with the 40 year old virgin
1: Okay, the 40-year-old virgin, I believe, is on the list. That is correct, so you do get a point. And where do you think it ranks?
2: This is the top how many? Se- uh,
1: 70. 70? Yes, 70.
2: I'm going to say 5.
1: Okay. Todd, what is your guess? 30. Uh, Todd gets the point. It is number 23. So not not a bad not a bad start. Uh, Todd, we go to you. Todd with a point each. Uh Anchorman. Anchorman. Anchorman is on the list. So you get a point. Question is where is it on the list? 14. Okay. Terry, what's your pick? That's not where it is, but uh... 40. Uh, Todd gets an additional point because it is number 11.
2: Oh, wow. So so
1: they like the Apatow movies, even though I have warned you that they're a little bit highbrow. So the score is now three to one. You each have four picks left. Todd leads. Terry, what is your pick?
2: Ridesmaids, which is another great one that we should have mentioned for weddings.
1: That's true. Uh, And another Apatow movie. It is on this list. So you get a point. Can you identify where on this list it is? Five. <laughs> and uh, that's a ding, ding, ding. Uh, that is where it is. Yeah! So, so you get three total points for that. Not bad. Not too shabby. I think that's the first time anyone's ever actually guessed the right placement. It is number five. So Terry now leads by a score of four to three. Nicely done. Okay, oh. it is over to Todd. Uh, I'm going to say... Old school. Old school. Um looking it up. I do not see it on this list. Good job, Wendy Wire. <laughs> the movie's not good. <laughs> so Todd actually loses a point. He goes down to two points. It is four to two. Terry leads. It is back to Terry with a pick. Knocked up. Knocked up. I see we're sticking with the uh, with the apato theme. So did uh, I, and didn't work. Knocked up is also not on the list, so Terry oh, wow. loses a point uh, for that one as well. But you still lead three to two. It is over to Todd's pick.
0: The Grand Budapest Hotel.
1: That Ooh. seems appropriately uh, pretentious, and it is indeed on the <laughs> list. So you get a point for that. Can you guess where it's ranked on the list? Number two. It is not number two. Uh, Terry, can you guess where it is? 21. 21. That's actually pretty close. I think Todd barely gets the point. It is number eight. I'm doing my math right. I think Todd was a little bit closer. So Todd now leads four to three. You've each selected three movies. So you're down to your last two. It's close. Terry, uh, what is your next pick? Sideways. Sideways. Classic. Uh, it is on the list, so you get a point. Can you identify where on the list it is? One. <laughs> this is not our ranking, but okay. <laughs> uh, Todd, it's IndieWire, it's possible. Say four. Okay, technically, Todd gets the point. It's somehow number 44. Oh, gosh. Um, shameful, shameful on the folks from uh, IndieWire that bridesmaids would be five and uh. Sideways would be 44, but okay. Todd, uh, pick goes to you, and you lead 5-4. to Crazy Rich Asians. Crazy Rich Asians is on the list. So you get a point. 20. 20. Okay. It is not 20.
2: 69.
1: 69. Todd Todd gets another point. (laughs) It is number 34. Wow. So yeah also above sideways uh Todd now leads seven to four and we are on our final pick it's still possible to win but you gotta you gotta nail these last two the big sick the big sick is on the list so you get a point can you name where it is
2: 49
1: it is not 49. Todd. 14 Fourteen. Uh I might need some math help here. It is number <laughs> thirty. So who's closer, Terry? Math teacher. Well, I'm Todd's nineteen closer.
2: away. I'm I'm closer. Todd's like sixteen away, yeah.
1: All right, there we go. Todd leads eight to three eight to five. So it's not impossible. Yeah, Something it is. could uh oh well, okay. Let's 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 just do one more <laughs> just for fun. Todd, do you have a final pick? Super bad. Super bad is on the list. So now it's official that, that Todd has won, but uh, do you... six. it is uh, not number six. Terry, can you predict where it is? 32. Terry gets the final point. It is number 26. So with a final score of nine to six, Todd wins trivia. Top 10 comedies of the 21st century according to IndieWire. Number 10, sorry to bother you. Number 9. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> number 9, Wild Tales, that Argentinian movie with the sh- the sh- six short films. I don't remember that movie really being funny. Um, but it is pretentious. Number 8, Grand Budapest Hotel, number 7, Lady Bird, number 6, What We Do in the Shadows, number 5, Bridesmaids, number 4, Shaun of the Dead. Tarantino would agree with yeah. that. Number three, best in show. I agree with that. This
2: is why the list is happening.
1: Number two, Borat. Wow. And number one, the real reason why this list came into fruition: Tony Erdmann. <laughs> Again, didn't realize it was a mm-hmm. comedy. Believable. <laughs> it's right. uh, well, we should it should have had The Martian number one, but uh, I had Tony... two
2: others written down. You have to tell me if they were on the list. All
1: right. Deadpool? Uh, Deadpool is not on the list. Zoolander. Zoolander is not on the list. Oh, okay. well, meet the Parents. Meet the Parents is not on the list.
2: Wow. You, you what is number pre- 70?
1: That's why I said Grand Food Pest Hotel. Oh, that's okay. the, that's <laughs> the only reason I said that. IndieWire? <laughs> so, okay. Good question, Terry. <laughs> what, what number 70 is? Bad Luck, Banging, or Looney Porn is number 70. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> What's number wow. 69? Uh, Brad, bad grandpa. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, now I'm confused. Okay, yeah, uh, that's that's awesome.
1: <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Pop Stars number fifty-seven. Lego Movie is fifty-four. Blockers number fifty-two. Adaptation wow. forty-five. Bend It Like Beckham thirty-one. Idiocracy thirty-nine. Um, Bend It Like Beckham is a comedy. I th- I think that's probably fair. Paddington Two is number twenty. Featuring the Queen, <laughs> R.I.P. Um, yeah. Something I called mean, a, a Pigeon Sat on the Bench Reflecting on Existence is number 12. Yeah. I don't know what that, that is.
2: Pag-2 nice. was Javi's favorite movie of all time.
1: Or in his top That's, three, true. At least. That's true.
2: With uh, Con Air M- and, really and like Caligari. It's phenomenal. Yeah. All right. Well, Todd wins again. He gets to assign us stuff to watch again. And uh, yeah, <laughs> he'll host next time again. So quote of the day time. Let's wrap this up.
0: Strawberries. Not the cheese. Womack. With a little sex in it.
2: Quote of the day. Todd, you
0: get to go first. Uh, so my quote comes from uh, Saved by the Bell Wedding in Las Vegas. It is by, I think he died recently, Gilbert Gottfried. Didn't he die? Yeah, he did. Yes. Uh, so the late, great Gilbert Gottfried as Burt Banner, he says, Have you two gentlemen ever wondered about the exciting world of male escorts? <laughs> <laughs> and if you've seen that episode or that show, yeah, you know, it works. Burt Banner, I kick your ass.
1: All right, Zach, you're next. All right, well, this week, uh, my favorite director, Werner Herzog, turned 80. And he has a new book coming out that he wrote during the pandemic. Um, And the book is based on his travels in Japan. And uh, it is called The Twilight World. And it is about uh, a guy named, a real-life guy named Hiro Onoda, who fought in the Imperial Army during World War II, um, but did not surrender after the Japanese surrender, he kept fighting um, for 30 years after World War II. Uh, so he's this kind of quixotic figure that is, of course, uh, a Herzogian um, character. They did an interview with him on NPR about it, and they read a, qu- a passage from his book, which I want to read in a Werner Herzog voice. And this is from his book. He says, A nightbug shrieks, and a year passes. A fat drop of water... On the waxy leaf of a banana plant glistens briefly in the sun, and another year is gone. And that's what you could also say about this podcast. Well done. Well done. All right. My quote
2: uh comes from a uh a another movie wedding that uh I didn't mention and I was hoping wouldn't be mentioned, but then Zach or Adam put it on his list, and that is Napoleon Dynamite. God damn and uh, yeah, I know <laughs> he messed it all up. And it's it's uh, Kip at uh, his wedding to LaFonda, and he just sings a simple song that goes, "Yes, I love technology, but not as much as you. You see, but I still love technology, always and forever." And that's how I feel about this podcast. There you go. There you go. You, you didn't know you'd be serenaded to end the podcast, but you are.
1: Well, that's it for this we episode. We didn't pick the wedding from the greatest comedy of the 21st century, Tony Erdmann. Although I don't know if there was a, a wedding in it. but.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's like a three and a half hour movie. So when it's that long, it's got to be a wedding at some point. All right. We'll be back at you next week with another episode. Until then, have fun watching movies, and we'll catch you on the flip side.